Halito, and welcome to Native Chalk Talk, a podcast by Natives for all. Here, we're keeping our Native ancestors' stories and history alive, while also sharing with you our Native cultures, traditions, and more. I'm Rachel Youngman, a Choctaw originally from Anadarko, Oklahoma. I hope you'll enjoy this journey with me as we learn from our Native American guests. And stay tuned for the end of each episode, where we'll talk about some great ways to support Native causes and or Native-owned businesses. Let's get started. Opera has always been near and dear to my heart as I started taking voice lessons at age 12 and have a degree in music. According to Zipia.com, only 0.4% of opera singers are Native American. So when I first heard of Shell Shaker, Chickasaw Opera, I had to interview the composer Jared Impetachaha Tate in Native Chalk Talks Season 2, Episode 10. This was then followed by an interview with Native American singers also performing in Shell Shaker, Dr. Kirsten Kunkel and Kate Raquel Morton in Season 3, Episode 10. And now it's my pleasure to introduce yet another Shell Shaker star, Mark Billy, a Choctaw baritone. Welcome to Native Chalk Talk, Mark. Thanks. It's so great to be here. Absolutely. So listeners, here's a bit about Mark. Mark Billy studied voice at University of Oklahoma and Indiana University. In addition to multiple awards throughout the years, Mark has performed leading and supporting roles in some of my favorite operas, Tosca, Rigoletto, Falstaff, La Traviata, La Boheme, Don Giovanni, Le Nozze di Figaro, Carmen, and more. Currently, Mark serves as cantor at multiple churches and is a voice instructor at North St. Paul High School and the St. Paul Conservatory of Music. And not only that, y'all, he is also a clarinetist. You can check out Billy's website at www.markbillybaritone.com. So you're the first opera singer I've met that can also play the clarinet. Now, if only there were an opera where the baritone also plays the clarinet, um, I think we need to call Jared to write one for you. Mm. So <laughs> I'm really glad, though, to see we have some Choctaw representation. I mean, this is just so exciting for me today to get to talk to you. I've been giddy, um, especially finding out that, you know, you're from originally from Oklahoma, too. So even better. But I also found out, as we were talking earlier, that you spent a little bit of time here and there in Anadarko, right? My hometown. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so funny. So where in Oklahoma are you from? So I'm from Antlers, Oklahoma. And I say that I'm from Antlers because that's where I went to high school. But I grew okay. up in um, Finley, Oklahoma. It's about 10 miles north of Antlers. And it basically has some churches and a post office. That's it. <laughs> I love it. Um, Those are the best places to grow up too, right? Everybody aren't knows they? everybody. Yeah. And I wanted to note also that, so, you know, growing up, they I always, I didn't really like make this connection, but they called Finley finley it finley indian territory because it was that it was there before the um before 1907 before the wow. um when oklahoma was a state so became a state yeah. yeah well i know we have a lot of listeners from antlers so hi to y'all in antlers <laughs> and awesome. finley i'm sure we've got some finley listeners but oh i'm sure um <laughs> so is there walmart near finley oh man so the walmart is in hugo oklahoma and it's okay. 30 minutes away from antlers Okay. You know, yeah. I'm going to be in Hugo week after next. So okay. check out the Walmart. Walmart <laughs> right? Well, and what's so funny is some of those Walmarts that are in 
that the surrounding towns come to are pretty good because they have to serve they have so to many be. people, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and I have to say, like, you know, I'm living in Minnesota now, like Minnesota Walmarts are just like not comparable ah. to Oklahoma Walmarts. They don't ever, they're not ever the nice super Walmarts. It's always like a smaller one. And it's just, right. Yeah. They need to take a page out of our book, man. They really do. <laughs> they really do. What's so funny too, is I feel like with a Walmart, you can go there anywhere in the U.S. and kind of feel like you're at home, you know? A hundred percent. Transported back. Yeah. It's so true. So, yeah, it, I just, I think it's so funny that we have those connections. Um, so, by the way, Shell Shaker was projected to begin performances already, but has been pushed back a bit. So, we should have a new date soon. As I keep saying, you can't rush greatness. So, stay tuned, y'all. I'll be sure to post more when I found out. find out. It is definitely going to be incredible. I'm going to try to be there. Um, I think it's going to be in the Northeast, but then hopefully we'll start seeing some other, is that how it will work? We'll get to see some other productions around the country later. This is, this is falls under that category of, I am not sure if I can really talk about it. I believe that oh, okay. there's, I, I'm pretty sure I can say that there's going to be a performance in Oklahoma after the first performance, which I believe will be still be in Boston. So Okay fine by me as long as we get yep. on down to Oklahoma at some point yeah um so it, should I know- be, it should be everywhere it should be performed everywhere it's a very important absolutely historic thing it is historic it is the only one of its kind yeah. and that's why you know it's Jared the composer is obviously not taking notes from anyone else he's creating this out of thin air so it's Ooh. really exciting no pressure on you guys by the I way know. but <laughs> So are you all getting together for rehearsals in person yet? So we've not met in person to do any rehearsing yet. Um, It's still, you know, there there was, it's it's just, it's taking more time than we thought. Yes. That's that's just fine. And that's okay. That's okay. We'll, we'll wait for it. So can you give us any spoilers about Shell Shaker? I won't tell you. You know, I, I thought about that and I, don't really have any spoilers to give. I will, you know, I can talk about my, I'm singing, well, I guess I can say this. I'm singing two characters. Um, they're the two main baritone roles and they obviously don't sing at the same time. So I'm, I'm able to, Perfect. Um, <laughs> to sing them. Um, and yeah. I can give you um, the character synopsis of them. So my two characters are Inky, which is Luxie's father and Luxi means turtle she's the main character she's the heroine in the thing um and then Okina which is the river um okay let me me read about this so where did I go so Inky her father is a clear and stable force in Luxi's life with very few words he is able to convey his belief in her and his trust in family and creation um for baritones playing the father figure is like just that's just kind of like part of the job um right (laughs) all happens all the time um okina is river um is similar to the biblical burning bush whom people go to in search of knowledge and guidance so i feel like those are important parts to play you know especially that father role where you're guiding her and It's really interesting because, you know, really, if you think about it, like metaphorically, the river is the father of turtles. So it's kind of, and I don't know if that was intentional on their part, who the people who wrote the libretto, but 
Yeah. Oh, it's all coming full circle. It really is. And that's how that's how native people and native culture is, right? We're all true. just like a, a big cycle. So it's true, right? It all feeds into each other and mm. the circle of life, the cycle of Connected. life, all of that stuff. Yeah. Yep. Beautiful. So you are a Verdi baritone, which is truly a rarity in the field of opera, from what I understand. So explain mm -hmm. to our listeners what the Verdi baritone is. Yeah, so I'll just give you some kind of like some words that come to mind about the Verdi baritone. Power in the voice, nobility in color, um, lots of high notes, uh, stamina to sustain uh, a high tessitura, and beauty, um, long legato lines. So, um, you know, there are, there are baritones and lots of, you know, next to the lyric coloratura probably is the most common is the lyric baritone um oh, you know the, yeah so another way we connect i'm a lyric coloratura as you right know. there's a lot of um a lot of a lot of baritones but um every now and then there are certain people that have the it really comes down to the are you able to sing these roles um all the way through the three or four hours of opera in the night with an orchestra, a full orchestra, and be heard the whole time and live to tell about it the next day and do it again, maybe, you know, that's right. kind right. of a tilted thing, yeah. Well, and I know that, you know, in traditionally in opera, there were no mics. It was, you really oh, had to project. Um, yeah. How common is it now for them to at least have mics coming from the ceiling or to mic y'all up? Is it common at all? It's it's not common, not with like straight like opera performances. If it's if it's an opera company doing a musical theater thing, sometimes they will be mic'd, but they really try to. And, you know, thankfully, because, you know, when you study to support a sound that you don't need a microphone for, that's what real opera singing is. If you yeah. if you need a microphone, yeah. you're not really seeing. And that's not to say, like, if I'm singing in, like, a football stadium, that's not designed for an opera singer. So, like, they would have to right. use a microphone. But in an opera house, like, you have to have the power to to cut through and make some Absolutely. noise. Oh, totally. And I know when you're a soprano singing next to a tenor, um, you know, you're not supposed to compete with your voices. You're supposed to try to be as one boy, you know, um, blend well together. But sometimes you meet those people that are a little more competitive and trying to be louder than you. So it really keeps you. You mean tenors. <laughs> you mean tenors. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I definitely didn't mean baritones, but yeah, the tenors. <laughs> yeah. They're known for that. No, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, when you talked about the stadiums, I remember um, singing at the Indianapolis Indians game one time uh -huh. and, oh man, the reverberation was just not fun. And I was not prepared for that because I was a lot younger when I did that. And um Everyone's well, they don't tell you, and me, they but... just are like, you can do, you can just sing here, and like, just it's put a... you out there. Yeah, it's a national anthem, easy song, you know. <laughs> yeah, not. Not at, all. <laughs> not at all. It is. It is the hardest song because everyone knows it. Everyone knows every word, and if you, if there's anything that's not just like spot on, they know. So it's so true. Or if you get caught in the loop, there's one part of it where you can easily like sing and yep. go back and start singing the other verse again and you're like it's no I'm true. In the loop. this is the longest national anthem ever <laughs> yep no so, so hard you talked about that like high tessitura 
Um, how does that compete with like a tenor? Cause you think of the tenors being able to sing those higher notes and stuff, but it sounds like a baritone can get higher. Yeah. So, you know, traditionally like the high note for like a Verdi baritone is like an A flat or an A natural, sometimes a B flat. Tenors tend to go to a high C or a D. So it's just like okay. really a couple of steps difference, but it is tessitura as well because baritones will sing, will go up there, but they'll come back down and be in a lower part, you know, for a lot of the um, role. Tenors right. generally have to sustain that high part all the time. It's hard. Oof, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Very interesting. So since this is such a, a rare voice type, do you think this has to do with your being Native American? I do. And I always, I always have thought that the reason that my voice is special is because of my ancestry. And, you know, I, I had talked before about like, I thought you were probably a lyric coloratura, coloratura something. Which is crazy your, that you do that. Bones. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, because our instrument is, you know, it's not like, it, it it's like a cello or a violin where like, you know, the type of wood or the shape or the like, the thickness of it, like it all makes a difference. And, you know, I'm, I'm six, two, six, three. Um, I have a very wide chest. I have a wide neck, I have a really big head, big cheekbones, like that all lends itself to singing the works of Verdi and Puccini and some heavier French stuff too. So, so you think that that, that high cheekbone area might help with those higher notes? I think it helps with the on. projection. I think it helps with the high notes. I think it helps with the color of the voice. It all, it all ties in. It's all a gift from my mom and dad and my ancestors, you know? Totally and true. it's something that I feel really strongly about. I'm like, why are there not more native opera singers? Like, why we are there not? We need them. We need them. You know, recently, I've been saying more often that I feel like this is the time for so many of us to shine. And I'm hoping that people will see this, maybe even younger folks who are studying voice right now and will consider that this could be a possibility for their future to try something like this and to put yourself out there. You might just have that the right my, kind of face shape. <laughs> that is my thing. That is my like credo, my reason for being an artist. One of the reasons for being an artist. Um, do you know the soprano Eileen Perez? Yes. She's, yeah, she's, she's awesome. But she, I was watching an interview of hers and she was talking about how when she was growing up as an opera singer, she had these people like Montserrat Caballé to look up to that were Latina that she could mm. look up to. And she saw them doing it and that made it a possibility for her to do. I didn't yes. grow up with that. Right. I, and if I didn't have the mom that I had who told me that literally I was so creative and I could do anything that I wanted, mm. I just had to do it. If I didn't have that, I don't think I would be doing that. I don't know what I would be doing. But um, Eileen said that there's this saying that says, if you can see it, you can be it. Hmm. And like, I think it's so important. So imp if I, if I don't ever become famous, if I don't ever get the things that I want to achieve, if I ha am make it where somebody who is a young native person who thinks they might want to be a singer, if I make that a possibility in their brain, then I've like accomplished everything. You've absolutely. Like, it's so important that success right there. And sometimes it's about us taking that first leave and it's scary and all of those things. And you're putting yourself out there and there's no one else to follow. Kind of like Jared with his opera. Um, Absolutely. But then it's maybe the next generations to take it to the next level and uh, way to be a pioneer. I, I can feel that passion in you. 
it's a it's a big deal to me. I think about, I think about it and talk about it all the time. So it's yeah. Oh, please don't stop. Please keep yeah. doing that. That's wonderful. So, how old were you when you started singing, and how did you get into singing opera? So we've mentioned that I am a clarinetist. That's what I went to uh, the University of Oklahoma to study was clarinet performance. I wanted to play clarinet in an orchestra or some sort of professional ensemble where I play clarinet all the time. Right. Um, when you enter, as you know, when you enter um, university study for music, you have to take oral theory classes where you have to sight sing. Mm -hmm. I could not do it. I couldn't, I couldn't sight sing and I couldn't sing on solfege for sure. Oh man, I was just failing so bad. And I was like, I got to do something to pass these classes. So I said, well, maybe I should take voice lessons. So in my freshman year of college, I started taking voice lessons and something just sort of clicked. And it was like, mm, I think I've always been a singer, but I didn't know it. Like, wow. it's just like so where I belong. college when you started... Yeah. Did you, as a clarinetist, were you always like, I'll never be a singer? Like the singers. Oh, are... absolutely. 100%. It was like that. It was like, oh, those dumb singers. They don't know. What right. They're saying, you know, 100%. Because you know the people in the in the orchestra pit hate us. Yep. It's 100% like that. But I also right? remember my very, so my very first opera that I ever performed in was Lock Me. And I was playing second clarinet in the orchestra. And I remember thinking, nobody can see me. Why I want to be on stage. But I didn't even mm -hmm. like it didn't make like I didn't make the connection like I wanted to be a singer on stage. I was just like, I don't like being in a pit. I'd rather be on stage. And that was just, you know, another sign. Like it totally was another sign. You were meant to get up there on that stage. Yeah. That's so exciting. I love that you didn't even start until you're fresh. I thought maybe you started when you were really young because you're so good. I've always yeah. sung in like church and things, but like I never seriously studied or anything like that. Like it was in college. <laughs> so I'm going to uh, confess something. I have never been good at sight reading. I even started taking piano lessons when I was super young. I think I was like six or seven. And to this day, I can't sight read very well on the piano. And I can't sight read very well when it comes to singing. And I thankfully always had voice teachers who kind of gave me a little bit of a crutch. And I think it's because they were flat out like, this girl is not going to be able to perform if I don't actually like record the song on the piano for her to listen to later and try to figure out the notes. So I'm saying all that to say, has the sight reading gotten better? Did you figure it has, it out? <laughs> it's, it's still, it's still like something that I, I work on and especially having students now, because I know that that was something that I struggled with. We work on like patterns and that's what it is, is patterns, having those patterns in your ear. Um, right. I, I know. And I, I will say that like, I do, I do use tracks and things, you know, to help me learn things. And the other part of it is, you know, Pavarotti didn't actually, I, they say that he didn't read music and that people had to teach him things by rote. And he's like the wow. greatest singer of all time. So like, can okay, we really that makes like, me feel better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, can we really like feel that bad about it? You know? Right. And that's another lesson I think to a lot of us is like, we don't have to have everything perfect to go out there and take chances in life. Do your best, hone your craft as best you can, but don't let things stop you from, you know, going out there and taking those chances. In my theory classes, I remember I couldn't read bass clef and I was writing in the note names. And I remember one of my theory professors was like, you're a terrible musician. You're never going to make it because you can't read this. No, no, and, no. And I just, 
every time you know you know people say stuff like that you know in the course of like our learning our studies and i have always just had it in my mind like okay you can say that but like you're wrong bye right you know thanks for giving me fodder to work even harder because that's yeah. the thing fight or flight you're either gonna go okay well i guess i'm no good or you're gonna be like really i'll show you <laughs> like thanks so thanks for becoming an anecdote later when i'm talking on an interview <laughs> you know <laughs> when i'm on a podcast saying look at me now y'all right yeah exactly <laughs> so true you know you mentioned solfege earlier i assume most kids in in school learn solfege but um not I in my not in antlers oklahoma okay yeah so and that i can't remember it's do re me so what were the, what are the signs again oh i don't know the hand signs and that and some people either. did know that and i helped do. them but i know this is do re, re me. me i don't know oh, but it's so do re mi fa so la ti do yeah yeah there we go or go watch sound of music you'll figure it yes, out yes you'll um, learn there that's and that's i never watched sound of music when i was a kid so that was maybe my problem i guess yeah that's what was wrong with us yeah but no i guess you know it's the hand signs that help the younger kids learn how to um read music and but i was like you i was on the bass clef well and the treble clef unfortunately going all cows eat grass yeah but you know what <laughs> that's the same thing as like you know whenever there's this meme that says like don't make fun of somebody who mispronounces something because it means they learned another language and are trying to read a different language. Aww. Like they're trying to learn. Why would we discourage some people from trying to learn? You know? True. In the way that works for them, you know? Yeah. Aww. And I obviously don't do that anymore. Like I learned how to read it and like... Yeah. But if I hadn't, if I had been like, oh, I can't write the things in, so I'm never going to learn to do this. So I just give up. Like, right. really? No, we have to I just, right. I guess I I'm more passionate about music education than I thought it was. <laughs> it sounds like it actually, because yeah. you know what it's like to be told you can't do something or that yeah. it's not perfect enough. And I love yeah. that you've got that moxie to just keep on going. Yeah. And I really think that's what it does take to sing opera anyway, because again, there's not always the nicest teachers out there. There's a lot of competition so, and... <laughs> So speaking of teachers, I noticed you studied under some notable voice teachers. So do tell. Yeah. So um, my very first voice teacher, well, actually, that's not true. My very first voice teacher in college was a very not nice person. And I cried okay. like 10 lessons in a row. And then I changed from that voice teacher um, <laughs> to this wonderful guy at the University of Oklahoma, Richard Anderson. He was my very, I, who I consider my very first formative voice teacher. Um, he was very old. He was like in his 80s when I first met him. And then we worked together for about four years. Um, but he was just like the best. Um, like in the summer, we would have like two or three lessons a week and he wouldn't charge me, wouldn't let me pay him. Like Seriously? really, really, really like formed the formative parts of my voice. Um, so that's at the University of Oklahoma. While I was there also, Marilyn Horn, the famous mezzo-soprano, had a residency there. And I got really acquainted with her and worked with her a lot. And that's we still amazing. are. Uh, she's like a star, you know, and like just right? this, like operatic history just sitting there, you know. Um, right, but she, totally. she really, she helped me a lot. And it was really kind to me and, you know, was very, like, like I said, we still keep in touch and everything. But um yeah, so that was the University of Oklahoma. Then I went to IU in Indiana and in, in Bloomington, 
Um, and I studied with Carol Vaness, who's, you know, just like the diva soprano, like just amazing. <laughs> and she, she really helped me a lot. And she really helped me a lot with some like stage work. She taught the opera workshop at IU and still does. And just as like, she knows how to move and to how to make singers, you know, look good when they're singing, which is not always an easy thing. True. Um, <clears throat> And now I'm up here in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and I study with this guy, George Smith, and nobody knows him. And I'm kind of glad about that because, you know, like I can have lots of access to him and can Right. You me. have time on his calendar because that can yes. be a problem when you've yes. got a popular teacher. What brought right. you to Minnesota? So my partner at the time, um, and then I found all of these, my voice teacher and my vocal coach is here um all of these opportunities to like it's very sort of rare to make a living the way that I do where it's just oh yeah and I'm not like you know like a super super famous opera singer or anything yet so I don't have like all that cachet to yes. go with my name um <laughs> so but I'm getting lots and lots of gigs and Great. I teach that's it I don't do anything else for my living and it's I'm really lucky and really blessed to to have that um, yeah, and I don't. I don't think if I lived somewhere else that I would be able to because the cost of living in Minnesota is not terrible, yeah. and there are so many. They all sing here. They don't all sing well here, but they all sing here. So there's a culture there that's been built up over time where people do sing there. That's yeah, great. Absolutely. You're technically not too far from me, I assume, right? Um, oh, Illinois. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's crazy up here in the north. Us Okies. Yep. That's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, you talked about how you had that first real voice or the voice teacher that after you kicked out the other one um, mm -hmm. and he was an elderly person. I sometimes think that there are those what some may call old school um, voice teachers that I really love the way they teach. I love that they bring something to the table that they they've been around when there were those really uh, amazing opera singers and not that there aren't today there. Of course there are and there's going to be more to come. But they, I don't know, I think they took on some of the styles of some of those folks that were from the 40s, 50s, 60s, that kind of thing. So um, he, he definitely did. And he was, you know, he always talked about, I think he told me that he was in like, like before, you know, the Met has the Young Artist Program, the Lindemann Program. I think before that was that, I think that he was in the Met Young Artist Program because he talks about Ooh. being in all these, like, you know, the famous baritone Leonard Warren when he, like, died on stage singing La Forza del Destino. My teacher was there that night and heard it, you know. What? Like, oh just my God. Like, all these historic what? things. But also, he, he he was, like, one of those old school teachers that, like, you know, the extra lessons and everything. And I would go and I would sit in on other students' lessons and like listen to three or four lessons a day, you know, sometimes. Wow. And just like, I learned so much from him. And and he always approached like my studies with him with flexibility and like a relaxed atmosphere. And mm -hmm. I don't, I, I just couldn't be more grateful for that because that's the kind of person that I am. And maybe that's the native part of me too. Yeah. like kind of laid back thing right because that's not normally how voice teachers are i can't sing well in an environment where i'm scared or anxious i can't no, do it we need to be baby and that's how yep. my voice teacher when i was in weatherford oh my god he was amazing he taught me what color of lipstick to wear he you know yeah. told me how to hold my head high 
you know, even if I didn't do well in a performance, just hold that ass high. And, oh gosh, yeah, they're same. But it's the best. They do. They're doing it because they love it. Yeah, and they're passionate about it. So yeah. that's why he spent extra time with you. But so yeah. I appreciated the fact that you were also willing to share something very personal with me about a challenge you faced starting in November of um, 2021. Um, yeah. Feel free to tell us about that. Yeah, so I um, I don't remember a lot from this time. Uh, I had a brain injury or disease. It's called anti-NMDA receptor encephalitis. And it essentially um, manifests uh, with symptoms that look like schizophrenia bipolar. So it looked like I essentially just went crazy. And I was in a psych ward for three months um, to diagnose this disease, you have to do a spinal tap. And oh. because I was so like, as an unstable person, like I wasn't, I just wasn't myself. I was out of my mind. Um, they were afraid to even do that because I wouldn't be still just, you know, like oh it's dangerous, gosh. but they finally got me to be still and did it. And it turned out that I had this thing, which is easily treatable by, um, IV infusion therapy and, what? I did, I did those therapies. And then I remember waking up in February of 2022 and I was like, where am I in this hospital room? And they told me what had happened. And I was just like, oh, wow. What's like, how do I, how do I get my life back? You know? And like, and I, I did, I, you know, finished the treatments and they were so like, you literally lost time. You lost those Oh, I don't have any idea from November to February. Don't. Oh my God. And it just came on you. Like, was it something you'd always had, but then it just kind of like. They don't, they don't know. It's so, it's kind of a disease that is not as researched as other diseases. So there's Mm -hmm. a lot that they don't know about the cause and yeah, I don't know. It's very interesting. Miracle, my friends. People, they, the doctors said that really. And especially because like, I would say about a month and a half after that, I was singing again. And in a month after that, I was winning competitions and getting all these things. So like, it was like, I never stopped singing, which I'm just like, so grateful for, because you never know whenever something like that happens yeah. to you, you're like, is the part of my brain that like functioned as the musician, is that going to be like messed up or something? But yeah, it totally. seems like, it seems like this I'm okay. This is so bizarre. I'd never heard of that before. And then just for you to lose time. I also wonder, like, are there people out there that have that, but they don't get the correct um, diagnosis and treatment and people- I'm sure. That's terrifying. Well, thank you for sharing that with us because I'm sure the the rare few people out there that have been through that will relate to this and go, hey, you know, and there is is a movie and there is a book. Um, I've read the book. It was kind of- hard to read because I had you know gone through that I didn't see the movie because I was like I read the book I don't I don't need to kind of you know elongate that process but um right it's it's very I will say that in the book it's very accurate as to what what all happened with me and I still will have people that are in my life that they're like hey I visited you on this day uh do you remember that and I'm like I have no clue no clue. Oh my God. Were you, yeah. were you functioning, but just in a fog or, you know, were you bedridden? I was, I was bedridden and like very not myself, very oh weird behavior. Yeah. 
your family must have been so worried about you. Oh, yeah. And like basically my family right then and right now it was my brother and his kids and his wife. And they live in Oklahoma. They live in Hollis, Oklahoma. So like, you know, they had no, I was up here. They had no access to me and oh. couldn't, couldn't travel. And it just was, yeah. That is crazy. I'm so glad you got it diagnosed. And then you yep. just like picked right back up where you were. Pretty much. Yeah. Competitions and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're, we're grateful you're here and there's a reason me you're too. here. I mean, like that's <laughs> meant right. to be. Wow. So knowing that, I think it's going to be even more powerful when folks hear this clip I'm about to play. So let's pause a moment for this two minute video of your singing, C'est Moi from Camelot with Andrew Sun on the piano. Mark, I'm so proud of you for all you've accomplished, but also just the the idea that you've overcome so much, even from a physical standpoint, and are still out there kicking kicking butt. So, um, well, let's shift gears a bit and talk about your family history. You're a sure. Billy, which is a big name in the Choctaw world. Are it you is. related to any Billies in the Durant, Oklahoma area? You know what I've kind of discovered about that is that probably there you can trace. <laughs> you know, it's just it's not. It is a common name in, in that area, but it's not a common last name period. So like it's, you know, yeah, I'm pro probably, I would say. Well, there's a Brenner Billy that was on the show um, a couple seasons ago. So I don't oh, know, probably your cousin, one of your thousands probably. of cousins. <laughs> so um, what interesting things do you know about your ancestral history and stories? Yeah, so I just wanted to, you know, the the native language aspect of my culture is really important to me and 
I wish that I it had been more important to me when I was younger. When you're younger, you do, like don't think about like that. True. It's be something that is valuable to you when you're older. Um, but my my dad is like like I'm one generation removed from his primary language being Choctaw. Like that's what he grew up speaking. Wow. And I remember him telling stories about like going to school and he would be talking to like his brothers or like family members in Choctaw and they would get in trouble and they would have to go sit in the corner like oh. and like have you know them like kind of ridicule them a little bit like because they didn't want them to speak you know that native language yeah. they wanted them to speak English um and I just you know just kind of a, a regret that like I didn't um learn Choctaw when I was younger um isn't that so and how true. important it is for me singing Choctaw now like it's very very important to me there's a, a composer, his name is Dr. Charles Shadle, and he teaches uh, music theory at MIT. Um, he's like the head of the department there, but he he's Choctaw, he's from Oklahoma. And um, are you familiar with the Native American church that I grew up in at all? What's, what was the name of it? Uh, the Oklahoma Indian Missionary Conference of the United Methodist Church. Any, anyway, so my, my point yes. with that, that, like, so our hymns, are in like this little book that has the text. It doesn't have any music in it. And the yeah. hymn tunes are passed through like, like you through ear. Um, right. And are so, they in Choctaw only? Or yes, is it only also? in Choctaw. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's great. And, oh, I love it. Well, so the previously there hasn't been really like music written down, like notes written down for it. Um, the Choctaw Nation did just sort of put out this book that has um, some like, kind of a churchy sounding like arrangements of them. Um, yeah. But Charles Shadle actually has arranged two hymns for me um, and, and like with his accompaniment and it sounds like, like a normal art song. So like oh. it's a concert version basically. Wow, um, that's so cool. I, I performed one on a recital last fall and he just sent me a new one in a manuscript writing. He's going to get it engraved where I can read it a little better. Um, and he has another one that's coming pretty soon. So that is so neat. I'm going to keep an eye on him. That's a really cool yeah. thing that he's doing and way to represent Choctaw at MIT. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll take it. So your dad, it sounds like he was he from the Antlers area as well. So he's from Broken Bow. Um, my okay. mom's family's from the Antlers area. Um, and, you know, Broken Bow is like an hour from Antlers. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, so the Billy name is your dad's name, right? Mm -hmm. And he's, yeah. he's Choctaw. Is your mom Choctaw as well? Yeah, they both, they both were. My dad was almost full blood and my mom was, I can't remember the exact percentage, but I'm, I'm 25, 30 seconds. Choctaw, Mississippi, <laughs> That's what it says on oh, my car. Mississippi so. Choctaw. Okay. Choctaw, yeah. Choctaw, Mississippi Choctaw. Cause I guess when you're, when you're young, you can choose if you're going to be Mississippi Choctaw or Oklahoma Choctaw. Because one of your parents was each each one was one or the yeah, other. Yeah, I think my dad was maybe more Mississippi Choctaw than Oklahoma. I don't remember. But. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm always I always love it when I see someone's card and it does say Mississippi Choctaw on it. Yeah. You know, because mine just says Choc you know, Oklahoma Choctaw. Yeah. So, and you know wow. we we used to go on these like family uh there were like church trips and I remember we went to Mississippi one time and we went to this church um that was a choctaw baptist church and 
they only spoke Choctaw. Like, I'm talking about, like, the little toddlers that were walking around were speaking Choctaw to each other. Like, just, like, the most cool experience ever. And, like, again, I didn't appreciate it when I was that young. I was like, oh, great. I can't can't understand the other kids, what they're saying. So, like. I can't understand you. How can I play with them if I don't, you know, understand them? But. I know. We're so dumb when we're younger, right? We just don't know. We don't know. We don't, and especially if our parents try to push stuff on us, sometimes it oh, it makes like, it even worse. They're like, "Oh, <laughs> mom, you're so lame." Yep, hundred percent. It's so true, and it's cool to me how there are still pockets in Oklahoma that are just really still deep on their tradition, and um, it's no big deal to still have first language speakers and that kind of thing. So, I think it's neat that your dad was a first language speaker, though. Yeah, it's amazing. Do you know anything more about their own? You know their stories maybe you know coming from mississippi any of that stuff have they kind of captured that for you um you know i just know like little kind of bits and pieces my my mom's family while they came over at the time of the trail of tears they didn't walk they came in like a covered wagon so i think they were a little bit more fancy than um some of the other people but yeah i don't really difficult journey but yeah my dad's family has just the there it's a very he's from a very large family he's like one of like 12 children oh my <laughs> yeah a lot so you a definitely lot have some cousins <laughs> that's what i was saying like really if there's a billy there probably i'm related to them so so true so any billies out there that you think that there might be a relation what's your dad's name steve steven steven, steven billy, billy. Yeah. Okay, then I want you to write to me so I can connect y'all either on Facebook <laughs> yeah. or whatever. So now you're going to have like 500 friend requests from Billy. That's so cool. I'm I welcome <laughs> it. Let's do it. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um well, thank you for sharing what you know about your family and I know you've been pretty busy lately. In fact, we had to put off this recording a bit considering you're being busy with all of your recent accomplishments. So feel free to share about some of those most recent performances. Yeah, so I'm in uh, Duluth, Minnesota right now. Um, I just had, we had our opening show. We're doing a school tour of the Pirates of Penzance and I'm <laughs> singing the Pirate King and the Major General um, in awesome. this little, it's, it's very cool. And it's, I like I said, I guess I'm into education more than I thought I was, but I hmm. I really, I I just think it's so cool to see kids who have never seen something or been in the room with like a trained operatic voice. Like they're always just like, you guys really don't have microphones. How are you so loud? You know, it's, it's amazing. And, you know, um, another time that I have done an educational tour, it was, I was seeing Barber Seville, Figaro and the Barber Seville with a Hawaii opera theater. So I was in Hawaii and went to Uh. all these schools and they all looked like me, these little kids. Wow. And they were all like, I multiple times they were like, I didn't know that somebody who looked like me could do that, what you're doing. See, and again, that's what that's I'm talking amazing, about. It's right? so important. So incredibly so important. So important. Yes. Um, especially, and I, I don't want this to sound weird, but also, especially men, because I think women can go in there and the little girls are like, you know, be able to sing like that and wear my hair all fancy and wear a gown. But the boys, you know, sometimes are afraid to step up and join choir or whatever the uh, case uh, is. And so they need to see more men coming in there and, and emulating so what, what you're doing. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I have a couple of things that I can't give like the full details on, but um, I've been engaged in Oklahoma to sing a recital that will include Charles Shadle's hymn arrangements and hopefully some other works by other native composers. Um, there, I'm going to premiere some songs um, at a West Coast Chamber Music Festival in 2024. Um, and the my most kind of like recent engagement that I just got um, is uh, the Intermountain Opera Bozeman. Um, it's an organization in Montana, a, a, an opera company. Um, we're doing this thing called the Wheels of Harmony Education Tour. And it's April the 1st through the 15th. Um, and it's with Kate Morton. She's going to also be singing. Oh, yay. Um, and this guy, Jay Cruz Berry, is a, the pianist. Um, and so they wanted two Indigenous singers and an Indigenous pianist. And they want us to sing only, mostly, there's going to be some opera, like standard opera rep, but mostly Indigenous composers. So there's going to be some oh. of Jared's works. I'm going to do some of the, the hymn arrangements. And we, we haven't gotten the program fully together yet, but we're we're getting it together Um and it's going to be in Montana. We're going to go to tribal schools. So we're going to be going to natives. Like, Congratulations. That's awesome. It's a big, big deal. Like it's, and it's, you know, kind of, I'm fitting into that niche, I think of like native classical singing. Like it's yes. my thing now. And I am really just, I couldn't be more excited because it's just like, like I said, you know, if you can see it, you can be it. And I, I hope that we inspire some kids, native kids to be singers. I think you absolutely will. If you haven't already, that's really exciting. And so I hope that um, folks will also show this episode to their kids, you know, maybe get them excited about the arts and, and absolutely. all that. So, so you were also recently featured in art desk and then in opera wire. Congratulations. Yeah. It sounds like the sky's it, the limit for you. <laughs> it's so, it's so funny. Cause like, you know, there's like Nadine Sierra, and Michael Fabiano, and then there's my picture. <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm you deserve it. okay. Okay. That's fine. I just, yeah. <laughs> well, first off, I love that humility. Um, you know, and I think that's kind of what we Okies maybe are about. Maybe that just sounded it, pompous, but totally. No, it totally is. I think so. I think right? that's fine. Yeah. We come from humble beginnings, you know, and we we've seen a lot. And I think well, that our southern always... like the southern charm thing, where like it's like kind of impolite to be just like I'm the best thing in the world. Like right? that's just not that's not who it's we are. We're like we're no. yeah. No, in fact, it's it's always odd to me when I see someone that does brag on themselves. I'm like. Oh my. <laughs> yeah. You must Your stop me from where teach I'm you from. Anything, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What kind of upbringing did you have? <laughs> right. 100%. But no, I mean, I, I love that because um, that's one thing that when I started getting to know you, like you're so approachable and yet you have so much talent and you're being featured in all these right. places and you're getting all these gigs. So before we go, are there any native causes or businesses you'd like to promote today? Those of us who are trying to make it as native opera singers you know especially kate and kirsten and i like just keep coming to our stuff really yes that's the perfect thing to promote today considering the topic um so right. that's the best thing that a lot of us can do is um go to those performances follow folks like mark billy on social media and check out his website to see what his next performances are going to be 
put some likes on there. That's free. It doesn't take much to, to do that kind of thing. So that'll keep us going. Keep folks like you going. And then finally, you've actually given us a lot of great words of wisdom today. Um, So officially, because I do have to ask, are there any words of wisdom you would like to share with our listeners? Don't let anybody tell you you can't do something. If you want to do it, do it. Yes. Well said. Short and sweet. Yep. So I'm really proud of the work in the arts, specifically in Abra. Um, yeah. Well, and playing your clarinet, clarinet too, that, that you're doing. You know, but- I also, you know, I made that uh, debut and twice with the Oklahoma City Philharmonic. We sang and um, and I played native flute too. I play native flute and I'm going to play really? it on, oh, cool. on this tour too. Yeah, it's just something that like I, I, I've done since I was a child, like, what they thought I guess my relatives thought because I played clarinet like it also I could also play native flute and I can um, but I did take a class at OU when I was there on native flute so right yeah still had to take a class on it yeah I was gonna ask if you still played so it sounds I like you I guess it's like riding a bike right you can still so you could just like know. sing a few lines and then go down in the orchestra pit play your clarinet come back out yep <laughs> You know, and I've done I've done concerts like that before in college when I would play in the orchestra and then like I would sing in the chorus for some right. things. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it's great. I I mean it's what I it's what I love. I'm very, very, very lucky to be doing what I love every single day. Very much. So I I'm cheering you on and I'm really proud that you're not just Mark Billy, the incredible baritone. You're Mark Billy, the incredible Native American baritone so thanks for doing us all proud and yakuki thank you so much yakuki thanks for listening to native chalk talk be sure to join our community on facebook instagram twitter and linkedin simply search for native chalk talk that's native c-h-o-c-t-a-l-k and check us out at nativechalktalk.com stay tuned for the next episode you're gonna love it yakuki thank you my friends